Hello, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 64 and it is with the lovely Liz Stringer. Now, Liz has a new album out called First Time Really Feeling. It came out on April 30th, which was just a few days ago, on Milk Records. Go listen to it. Uh, We chatted a couple of weeks before the album came out, so we talk about her feelings of the imminent release. Um, I don't know about my musician listeners, but I think that there are stages of album release um, that are very comparable to the stages of grief. So, you know, things like denial, hope, fear, anger, isolation. I don't know what stages of grief are, actually. (laughs) I think there's acceptance. I'm sure that my musician friends can relate to that. So we chat a little bit about which stage she's in at that exact time. I'm sure it's changed a million times since then. Uh, We also cover things uh, in this chat, including her singing and playing guitar with Midnight Oil, co-writing with her Dyson Stringer Cloa bandmates, as well as others, sober touring, um, and we get quite deep into what success means to us. So get ready for that. Um, A couple of quick notes. We chat about Leonard Cohen's backing singers, whose names I forgot during the chat. It's the Webb Sisters. Bloody amazing. Um, Liz has some shows coming up in June, so go have a look as she's playing near you. As always, these chats have swearing, so be careful if listening with little ears. I've thought about doing clean versions of these where I bleep the bad bits, but... I I also can't be fucked. (laughs) Uh, Maybe one day. Um, Liz's Strange Show Story was illustrated by her six-year-old nephew, Emlyn Stringer. It's a perfect illustration for a very, very funny story. Um, As always, you can see all illustrations on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Shoot me a message if you'd like to have a go at doing an illustration. I'm always looking for people who love to draw or paint or illustrate on the computer or whatever. Um, the only prerequisite really is that you have to love it and then you get 100% creative freedom to do whatever you like. So if that interests you, uh, shoot me a message, um, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can leave me a message there too, if you want to, I love hearing from you. Leave me a message everywhere. Um, thank you to Dave Williams and please go listen to first time really feeling. Here is my chat with Liz Stringer. just got our um, COVID chat out of the way before we <laughs> press record. So that's good news for everybody. Yeah. Just same old shit, really. COVID, <laughs> same old COVID shit. Wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't travel. Fucking yeah. missing stuff. Very sad. Fun things um, cancelled at last minute. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in the midst of it all, you've been able to do like a bunch of amazing shows. So the first time that we were going to be, that we'd planned to do this chat, you were in the middle of something amazing. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, um, I was on tour. I was on tour with Midnight Oil, um, singing with them. That's what you mean, isn't it? I mean, there's. I haven't. Yeah. I, I, I basically haven't done anything else amazing or otherwise. So that's. <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> I just didn't know that you were doing that, and we. You were like, oh yeah, I'm just on tour with Midnight Oil, um, singing backing vocals. I was like, what? <laughs> what I know so amazing 
it was so amazing. No matter how kind of long or involved or whatever the experience is on tour, as soon as you get home, it's like it just gets sucked into the vortex of the past as if it just didn't yeah. happen at all. And and that's how this feels. But also just combined with the like kind of the absurdity that I that I was even on stage with them anyway. <laughs> it just Amazing. Ma- kind of makes it feel like it um it was it was a dream, to be honest. It yeah. never happened. But it, it never did happened. happen. Tell- it did. <laughs> <laughs> tell me tell me how it happened. Tell me how, how it came to be. Uh well I was recommended by my friend Leah Flanagan, who um was also singing backing vocals. Leah and I've worked together a, a lot over the years. She's like one of my best mates, mm. and um, we've sung a lot and played in each other's bands and stuff. And and they were just they basically needed someone to sing BVs. And I I, I, I don't think I was the first choice, but I was I was <laughs> on on a list. And um, yeah, who cares? I, I ended up getting the job. And um, <laughs> and I also I think I was I was kind of useful because I. I played a little bit of guitar with them. So I did, I did a bit of spare – I'm a bit of a spare parts man. Um, and I have sung – I love backing vocals. That's sort of my – like I arrange them and, you know, I've always – so it was it was a dream job for me, like not having to – well, the little bit of guitar that I did play, it was like everything was set up for me and my guitar was handed to me. And That's the dream. It was the best. And now I've just been rehearsing with my band today and I was just like feeling very indignant that I had to – Fucking <laughs> lug things and tune my own guitar. Stuff, yeah. yeah, I mean, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we were talking about this on the phone that that week where we were like, I feel like those shows just really fuck you up for life. Yes, like to come back to your real life, you're like, oh, this is this is what is expected now. Now I've well, hit this level, everything is done exactly, and it's like as we probably always discuss, because this is the parallel that I always draw with anything that's like good, is being um, a, a gold member of Virgin Australia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just like just the terror of <laughs> ever losing that, you know. I mean, totally. unfortunately, the entire airline's gone bust essentially. So, you know, <laughs> my gold membership hangs in the balance. But yeah. it was even because the oils like the oils fly uh, Qantas – Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I'm f- I'm bronze. I'm just like not even. I'm not even like. I don't. That's that's just that's nothing. That's nothing. You can't even get to extra these luggage for bronze. Nah, you just can get <laughs> nothing for that. So I was sort of like doing that. Oh, can you get me into the lounge? Oh my, can I, can I come into the lounge with you? Like that sort of thing. Whereas with Virgin, <laughs> the worst. with Virgin, I just <laughs> you're king of the world. Yeah, I and people grovel to me, so it's the yeah. only part of my life where I feel like I'm I'm treated with any kind of <laughs> the special treatment that I that I feel I deeply deserve. So it was you're validated of <laughs> by Virgin as a musician. Yes, so you know, let's let's just say that touring with a band like that is the equivalent of being a, a Gold Virgin member. And now yeah. I have to go back to to nothing and just press my Damn face it. against the glass of the lounge. <laughs> ask, ask someone to bring you an apple. Yeah, totally. Can you, can you make me a toasty, mate? <laughs> this is how I like it. Avocado <laughs> first. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that sucks. I know I told you a story of like when I played, I did this big tour with Sarah Blasco where we were playing theatres and, you know, you could hear a pin drop. And then the next show after that tour, after like 20 something shows, was at the Rob Roy in (laughs) Melbourne. (laughs) And we were like, nobody's listening. Why is everyone talking? It really does ruin you because beforehand that was just, of course, you never expected anyone to listen to you. No. No. And if, if then anything, they did. yeah, then then they did. If anything, that's a bit of an affront as well. The first time people mm. actually would listen to you, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. what are you, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, fuck, have some self respect. Don't listen." Suddenly, suddenly, you're like, "Oh no, now I have to really nail." Yeah, everything. totally. Can't play it's, a wrong note. <laughs> They'll know. It's a delicate balance, isn't it, between like utter kind of bullshit artistry <laughs> and actually performing it. In a, in a substantial way. Totally. That's beautiful that you got to be gold class <laughs> with Midnight Oil. And yep. um, do you have any, like, highlights of that set? I really – we used to we used to start the set. It's like I'm t- – we did, like, six gigs. I'm talking as if, like, back in the 70s. We, <laughs> no, that's the real – to start with. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing. That's a tour. Six gigs. It is. Yeah. Well, we – like, very early in the set we do um, – Traganini, which is like one of my favourite oil songs and it's just really mm. fun to sing. It's like really kind of epic and it's really fun to dance to. So that would be like the that would be like the loosener, you know? Yeah. Did you have like Vicar and Linda type um choreograph sort of dance steps? Well, Flannel and I we sort of did. We try we tried to. I think I mean, I feel like Flannel is kind of a better dancer than me. So um <laughs> I just try it was so funny, I was like, I'll just follow you. And then realised that I couldn't, like, I wasn't kind of dexterous enough to follow her. So it's like, you're going to have to follow me. So she, she did <laughs> And all that. I'm doing is moving one shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, whatever I'm doing, just try and keep up. And, um, but we, we played it, we did a gig at WOMAD and um, Vicar and Linda were there playing with their, I believe it was the first gig with this new band who just like a big band mm. of pros. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, I mean... You know, I love I love those women, and they're they're, um, they're they're kind of like one organism, aren't they? They just like the way they, they sing are. and the way they move together, and even though they're so they're so different, they're just still like yeah, they're amazing. So it's, no, it's no, we weren't blowing. quite yeah, we weren't quite at Vicar and Linda <laughs> Give level. Give it another six shows, you will, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Have did you ever see? Speaking of backing vocalists, did you ever see Leonard Cohen tour the last? I don't know, two or three times he came to Australia. No, I was talking about this tour with someone the other day. No, I didn't see it. And everyone that I oh my know who saw it just raved about it, still do. like. So he's backing singers. There was one song where one of them would just cartwheel off the stage. Like, and yeah. then oh. <laughs> the other one would take over. That's a, that's a move. Well, we did that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, of course. I mean, that's yeah. kind of, that's, that's your kind of entry level BV true, true, true. Move. Yeah. So we, yeah, we did, yep. we did that. You did that bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. F- Flano sh- had tricky shoes on, so it was it was yeah, left to me yeah. to to yeah, cartwheel. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. There's there's this great video of David Byrne singing with his incredible backing vocalists, and they're they're like sick dancers too. Like there's so much. Yes. We did actually just just for fun. Like we looked up a bunch of. Um, you know, backing vocalists trying to get some inspiration for moves. Because it's funny because it's did. like 
Well, I mean, not seriously. We're not, we're, but because we're like, well, it's it's also a rock and roll band. Like, we're not. It's not like yeah, you know, it's not Tina Turner in the sense that we don't have to have kind of the full on choreographed stuff. But we also, it just looks cooler. I just reckon it looks cooler if if there's a bit of uniformity. You know, I think so too. Yeah. And it's really noticeable. Yes, totally. But it also weirdly pulls less focus if you're both doing the same thing. Like you, you're not sort of yeah. it's like, what's that messy shit going on in the back? Yeah. It's more like a kind of a unified front thing. So I think that, yeah. that was the that was the idea. But they were yeah. they were so so great to us, the whole band. Like they were just so um, encouraging and fun and like warm and um you know, took took a lot of time to practice everything with us and run stuff that we weren't sure about. Like they're just they're legends, all of them, legends. Yeah, and I mean that's exactly what I would expect you to say about that band. I don't think yeah. there's ever been a bad story about that band. You know, just they're just uh, they just seem like a really good guys. Yeah, and and I you know I keep sort of saying this to anyone that'll listen really, but um, I. What what I think makes them so such such well part of what makes them such great people in my uh, opinion is that um, they because they've spent their life in activism in in various mm. forms and kind of interested in the world around them and engaged and and you know talking to people and they're just really they're v- they're very interested people which makes them interesting people because it, you know as you know it can be such a self focused pursuit um and i think i don't know they just have managed to maintain this very kind of measured balance of reality even though they're this sort of massive rock and roll band they're still really yeah um grounded really grounded yeah like, there was never a sense of like you know, us and them. Although, still, even like I, you know, even after hanging out with with Peter Garrett, for example, like Peter's such an iconic looking guy. Like he's just, yeah, like he's yeah. sort of, you know, any, anyone who's who knows anything about the oils know about him and 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 this sort of figure, this larger than life figure that's been around since I was young. You know, mm-hmm. and every time I I would see him and you know, like talking to him and ha- hanging out and singing next to him and stuff, it was just like. This is surreal, you know. It's really surreal when that when that crosses over from being like a um, something that you see in magazines and on a, on the telly to actually being in the flesh. It was really, yeah. That, I'd never really had that sort of experience with like musicians before. I don't know. It was really cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you if you'd ever experienced that before, where you've sort of met a larger than life person or a hero and just gone, oh God, I'm hanging out with my hero. Not on that level I've certainly met lots of people that I've you know that I've sort of admired greatly Mm. but they haven't they haven't necessarily been culturally so ubiquitous you know like yeah yeah there's sort of people that I I have you know artist crushes on or whatever but they're not not necessarily that famous basically um yeah I know what you mean I've had plenty of those too and where you'd go you'd say to your friends or your like your mum like oh my god I've just met blah and they'll be like who they're like who yeah (laughs) exactly whereas even my dad who's like just not involved and and plugged in to anything like that at all would be like oh yeah I know and also because of his Peter's political career but you know dad dad would know who Peter Garrett is because he's you know yeah his, yeah, um, of course. Everyone does. In fact, actually, maybe that's unfair. Dad knows 
Dad knew who Midnight Oil was when I said, it's not like Dad's totally out of touch. It's just not really his bag. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just in case your dad listens, you don't want to <laughs> bag your dad too early on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I just sometimes I sort of like take the piss out of family members on podcasts and then I think, no, don't do that. Just be nice and sincere. Yeah. It's funny how – and Flano, Leah, Leah Flanagan, Flano was saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. How um, – <laughs> like how certain people in your life – as soon as you're like, oh, they're like, what are you doing? Like, oh, I'm going to go on tour with Midnight Oil. They're like, what? And then suddenly it's like you just jump. You just go from fucking red to gold class in their totally. eyes. Totally. You know, like you've made it. You've legitimized yourself. After yeah. years of paddling around in the shallows, you're actually, it's totally. hilarious. It's great though. It's like, yeah, all right, I'll take that. That's fine. It's only six yeah. shows, but whatever. <laughs> I still think six shows is a lot, especially in Australia. You can only really play six shows with, you know, on a big scale. Well, seeing as they had like a hundred thousand people at every gig, then yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much everyone. Insane, isn't it? Do you reckon those are the biggest shows you've ever done? Oh, fuck yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, we did. I think the biggest one was the Geelong show, which I believe it was either twelve or fourteen thousand, and that, like, I mean. I mean, you must have done massive shows. What do you reckon the biggest one is that you've done? Um, I think probably like main stage at Big Day Out, those ones were huge. And I think someone said to me just really unfairly before we went on, they were like, yeah, the, I think there's about 32,000 people in the audience Holy today. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <I feel> what? <laughs> sick. Holy shit. Do you get stage fright or anything like that? I have had, I've had, a few years of horrific stage fright but no really? I didn't and I think because it was so it was just so much fun and you know as yeah. a backing singer it's fairly low stakes like it's not like an entire song is gonna is gonna fall apart if you fuck up something so and I you know I mean I've been way more nervous I've done a lot of um sessions playing over the years and I'm way more nervous in that when I'm actually in control of an instrument. Singing BVs is just really fun. I mean, they're a bit... It is. I think it's more fun. Like the first gig we did, we did. they did like a um, a warm-up show at the end more like the Thursday before the first gig. And um, so that was the first time we'd all played together. But also for Adam Ventura, who's the new bass player who re- replaced yeah. Bones. Yeah. yeah. So... It was hit. They'd done a they'd done a kind of a secret show the week before, but this was really the mm. first kind of you know full production, full everyone um, gig that he'd done. God, so much pressure on that guy. Holy shit, he's amazing. He's amazing, um, and nailed it. Like, but it's just that thing of like where you don't, you're not one hundred percent convinced that that you know, like it's, you just need to get the first gig under your belt, don't you? Yeah, um, totally. There wasn't a point where I was like, I have to start the song or there's this mm. crucial bit that I have to get. Like I didn't have any of those moments to worry about. So it was just more just yeah. fun soaking it in. Yeah. That's great. But so tell me a little bit about the stage fright that you have had. Have you always had that or did that sort of develop over time? No, it was weird. I had it. <laughs> one of my one of my big fears um, is spewing on stage (laughs) really have you ever done it i've never done it i used to um drink a lot and i I think that um the like the it was a legitimate fear (laughs) that i would just be too hungover and and spew but there was just like you know coupled with kind of very um 
very high anxiety. It was just that feeling of like feeling hungover, feeling nervous, and then engaging with singing, like engaging all of those parts of your body's body that are feeling yeah. weird. So your stomach and your yeah. diaphragm and all that stuff. So sure. I and you know I just played so many shows hungover that I that 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 it just sort of it it became I sort of had periods on and off of not great mental health and I think it was just that it was just massively high anxiety and then you know how you it was the same thing with flying like I had a couple of years with flying where I was like okay now s- suddenly I'm shit scared of flying this is um, wow that was really annoying too because I was yeah, flying a lot. <laughs> Damn it. But I just kind of, it just eventually, I mean, I'm sober now and that, you know, that sort of my anxiety is reduced by probably 80 or 90% at least. Really? So, oh yeah. So that, that helped a lot, but it's just that, you know, that's sort of the, the anxious mind that kind of grips onto something and then burrows itself into, into a neural pathway, you know, like it's sort of, yes. you just, it becomes habit. So you don't even, y- your body just responds to your mind going, I feel sick. And your body's like, I don't really feel sick, but okay. You know, like, and then suddenly. Yeah. All right. We're going to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be sick. We're going to cool. be sick. Yeah. I didn't have a handle on how to um, get in control of my, of my own anxiety I think that's what it was yeah, yeah. I am um, I actually noticed because I've I've only just seen you sing the one time um in real life the first thing I noticed when I saw you backstage was that there was no alcohol backstage there was yeah. just like s- some kombucha and some cute little snacks and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how like Dyson Stringer Clover go with alcohol in general but that must have been so nice to just have a whole tour of really healthy living and everyone around you was sort of doing the same. Oh, so, yeah, so good. And, I, and yeah, none of us none of us drink really at all um, in the band. Yeah. So, and I just, um, I mean, I don't actually, I don't have any objections to people drinking around me, but it does, it does um, make it kind of easier. Yeah. Um, just cause you, the thing that's really nice about it is that, that you just sort of on the same wavelength all night. Like you, you don't, totally. and I used to be in, like, I used to be a classic for this kind of, you know, like I'd drink on stage, but then I'd get off stage and then I'd really hit it. And then you just sort of wander off into your own drunken world and I'd probably go out somewhere or, you know, like, so mm. you did, you lose the connection with the rest of anyone. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> except for the people that are drunk with you. Exactly, and then that but can become problematic in a different way. Yeah. Absolutely. And but you know, interestingly, it's not like you know, it's not like like sometimes I go cuz I, you know, I mean I love I loved drinking um until it it just kind of went south, you know, and yeah. I do sometimes think like, "Oh, I really miss that that connection that you have when you're pissed with other people." And it's like yeah, but also, I mean, for me, there was a certain point where you'd stop connecting to. It's not like because everyone's drunk, they're on the same wavelength. Everyone's on a slightly different kind of weird higgledy piggledy yeah <laughs> wavelength. Of course, you're, you're just <laughs> off in you off in your own land. And I like, I think yeah. I um. So I that's the thing that I enjoy the most about it. I think is that we're all kind of we're all a we're all able to drive, which is um yeah, and and that's also nice. yeah, like there's no sort of um. Everyone's just on the on the kind of on the same page, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I noticed that with you guys in general, like you all seemed really connected when you were singing together, like your harmonies are absolutely beautiful. You're all such different, but such equally powerful singers. Um, I just loved it so much. I, th- I just thought, you know, I hope you guys do heaps more stuff together. Yeah, I loved it too. It was really, it was really fun, um, you know, because we were all kind of front people, but um to me, it was the perfect mix because I really do love playing. I, I love playing in, in bands um, mm. because I like the idea of not having to drive everything all the time and just kind of contributing um, kind of support or, you know, contributing to the mm. sound instead of having to be the centre of it. I, re- I really love that. Yeah. And so to me, it was the best of both worlds. Um, <laughs> that's an oil song. <laughs> just, just wanted we should just put <laughs> we should just put lots of oil songs just scatter them through litter them through the podcast <laughs> whatever i quote whatever I, I love that song anyway um yeah it was really and and like again energetically you're kind of like coming in and out of the front which is good like i i, I find that um i don't dislike playing my own gigs but there is something really nice about having that um and even just on the road in general like you know Often as a solo artist, you're kind of the first, unless you've got a TM or, you you know, you're, I don't know, regurgitator or the oils or something. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the first point <laughs> of contact for everyone. And often I'm kind of TMing my own tours and, do, and you know, so it's like you you have to be on so so much. It, it was just nice. Like if, if Mia or Jen and I were having a, a less buoyant day or whatever, then mm. you could sort of just – you could just have a bit of a rest energetically, totally. which, which yeah. is really, and the slack's taken up by the other two. And that, you know, sort of felt quite, quite even. They're probably just sitting, sitting somewhere going like, oh God, like fucking <laughs> Liz. But, uh, and I'm like, oh my God, it didn't it just work so well, guys. But um, <laughs> um, I think that kind of uh, circle of energy, even when we were songwriting, it really worked because it's not like even with two people, it has to be a back and forth. Whereas with three people, it's kind of this circle that sometimes yeah. if you don't have anything, you can kind of drop out and it's still, and it's, and jump in when you do like that's, yeah. so it was, yeah, it was so fun. It was so fun. You've done a lot of co-writing, but have you ever done more co-writing as a three piece rather than just the two of you? No, I haven't. And I, and I have a kind of a, a weird relationship with co-writing in that I don't sometimes I love it sometimes I hate it but I actually think Mm. having more than one other person might help in that sense because just like another person to say yay or nay or yeah and to be like if I'm if I'm not like if I can't think of anything then it's not going to interrupt the flow or you don't have to be like oh if I don't think about if I don't think of something then the other person has to do everything it's like you can Mm. um you know you can I think it would just take a bit of the the pressure off because I just I mean I've had some co-writing experiences where you're like this is the best I want to co-write everything and then yeah other experiences where you're like I just want the ground to swallow me you know <laughs> what do you think makes it bad what's what what are the factors that make you want to be swallowed by the ground I just think for me it's like a kind of crippling self-consciousness that that probably happens when you're just not really connecting with someone and I mean, I've tried, I've tried writing with friends who, you know, it's just like the old adage, like just because you're best mates with someone doesn't mean you'd be good flatmates, you know. And I think that's yes. the same with musicians and co-writers. Like sometimes it's so true. It just doesn't. 
it, you just don't you don't click your parts and their parts aren't forming a, a good shape, you know. And I, I think that for me as an inexperienced co-writer and also mm. quite a sensitive overthinker, I, I yeah. think um, <laughs> I think the best co-writers are really able to just not take anything personally um, and not overthink things and just really allow their creativity to flow. Whereas I think maybe I'm probably my worst, my own worst enemy in some senses where I just... I just get to to in my head, and I, and I think I'm just sort of I'm um, cataloging everything like before I say any of it, like oh that's bad, mm-hmm. this is good. Whereas so often, just throwing out ideas, there's there's often a lot of gems in there because and that's the beauty of co-writing is that the other person recognizes in something that you would consider a throwaway line something that's actually really useful and valuable and can pick it up and do something with it. And that and so I think yeah, for me it's like. It's just it's being it's being too overthinky. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I feel yeah. like I've had times when it's worked really well and you really feel like it's almost like a um successful like improv show where you're like, Yes and, yes and you know, absolutely. Just, like, absolutely. Stuff out and, you, um and then yeah, I've had times where it's like, Oh my god. Um and I think for me the times that have been really bad have just been I, I blame myself for it just as much as I blame the other person where I'm like I'm just not I'm not yes and I'm like yes but I don't know. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. And I mean I've had ex- I've had that experience where the other person is so and for what of a better term because it's certainly not a criticism but in the me and them relationship like quite alpha with it and is just like mm this is how we're going to do it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sort of like, because I'm like, well, I don't really, my ego functions in a way that, I mean, I certainly have an ego that that gets yeah. bruised if people don't say that I'm awesome. <laughs> but I <Yeah>. also... <laughs> I need constant validation. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, don't get me wrong. But, um, <laughs> but I also, I'm also quite happy for someone else to sort of be the leader. Like I don't need, mm. that's, not, that's not the sort of part of the ego that needs... Um, no. So I'm quite happy for that dynamic to be in place, but I have been in the position where they've just kind of literally <laughs> written a song in front yeah. of me, just them and their own, oh, yeah. like oh, having a conversation with themselves, <laughs> and I've just felt like I don't know, just just like a like a just a teddy bear sitting there on the end of the bed, <laughs> just going. Like, <laughs> but see, I think that you are probably an important part of that process as a vibes guy, like. <laughs> you could you could be like that's a good idea yet like just boost their morale you know like I think that's equally as important like you're validating their yeah. choices you're you know you deserve 50% of that song well I was in the room so fucking <laughs> cough it up but they're probably just like yeah look at that kind of morose looking like visibly anxious <laughs> individual there I just that's just the ideas are, are just flowing um, hey, I really want to talk about your new album. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about the album? How are you excited? How are your How are your feelings about the album right now? I know there are different stages. <laughs> Which stage well, are you in? Yeah, I. Funnily enough, I'm just sort of um, speaking of kind of morose individuals. I'm just. Re- oh, I'm just no. <laughs> I'm just feeling a bit – I'm right now, um, to be really honest, I'm just – I'm freaking out a bit just because it – like the second Aww. single came out last week and and it is yep. – you know, it's just I haven't released a solo album for about five years and a, a lot has happened in that 
in those years and um in fact the album is about a lot of that and it's you know it's the, it just the inevitable kind of um f- feelings of um vulnerability and whatever that come with putting art out into the world um yes. I, i'm really excited but i'm also um i'm also just a bit trepidatious and a bit kind of like oh you know we've set something in motion that's now going to happen and yes. you know I, i'm just feeling a little bit um vulnerable i think that is a that is one of the stages of album release and <laughs> i think it's perfectly normal and it's perfectly fine and yeah. i'm here to tell you that the two singles that i've heard of it which is first time really feeling and your new one dangerous are absolutely gorgeous and i can't wait to hear the rest of the album um, well, thank you. And so you should feel you should feel really proud and you should feel really excited because I think a lot of people deserve to hear it. Thank you for saying that. And I, I am excited because it, I made the album three years ago. Um, so it's been mm. it's been kind of in my world for quite a while and and very few people have heard it um, bef- before now. So it's yeah, you know, in that sense, it's really. It's it's really exciting for people to be finally hearing it, and also probably a little bit again the overthinking strikes again, where it's like you know I've had such a long time to kind of just be with it, and no one mm. else really hearing it that now it's like oh I don't know like it, it, somehow that's different from sort of firing it out straight after you make it. I don't know. It's it's an yeah. it's, for some reason it feels different. Well, I suppose it's a moment in time and, and it was three years ago, which is a long yeah. time. So I suppose, you know, in a way you're sort of, you've probably worked on all these new songs since then and, you know, you're in a different place than you were three years ago. Obviously everyone is. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. But I think it's still important to show that moment in time. I think, you, I think you're right. And I think also just for everyone on the planet, the last year has challenged what time is, you know, in a strange yeah, way. absolutely. Because so much has changed uh, for everybody, wherever they are, mm-hmm. and um, it does, it's kind of feels like pre-COVID and, and COVID. I don't think we can say we're in post-COVID yet, but... Um, no. So in that sense, it feels like, you know, I made it when I was living in Toronto and, um, you know, even that, I, I lived in Canada for a couple of years and, and intended to be back there, actually. I'm a, I'm a permanent resident now. And, uh, but because of uh, the pando, I'm still here. Um, and <laughs> so it, it's, it's weird in that sense as well because mm. it, you know, it's, it almost, it's like, in, it simultaneously feels like a very recent past, but also like an ancient history. Um, all of that, yeah. just being able to fly between here and Toronto regularly, like I was, and um, yeah, it's so weird. It's so it's it's it feels like a relic um, of of history now. It's so odd. But relics are cool. Yes, and I think that you sh- you should definitely feel like it like people should hear it, you know. I think you should feel proud of it. I think you should feel excited um, to be sharing this relic with the world. <laughs> um, and I think it's beautiful. I mean, I've only heard two songs, but I, I really I think that it's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think it's by quite a long margin my best album. And, you know, you've, you, you hope that you think that about the most recent one. Mm. But I also... I do feel like it's that it's 
it's realised a bunch of things that were almost there for quite a long time for me as a writer and a and a player as well. And um, it it feels very much like maybe the first of the next set of things that I'm going to do, you know. And, and in that sense, yeah, that that feels really exciting. And I haven't had any um, kind of. Uh, I mean, it's not like I've had an unsuccessful music career, but I haven't, I haven't sort of had any sort of spikes of, or swells of significant success, if you look at it from an industry perspective. And I think sure. that's not being modest. That's just the reality. I, I have an, an incredibly rich and um, deep career in this country, and and so much of that is, I've toured, I've just toured for so many years, um, regionally. Uh, in remote areas, I have friends and kind of f- like people I consider family all around the country, you know, and kind of there's that's that's incredible to me. That's that's part yeah. of my the the roots of this tree that I'm growing. So, uh, you know, and it did it took for me a while to understand that that's, you know, I don't I don't win arias and I'm not mentioned in the same breath as some of the sort of other people who are maybe doing similar stuff to me but I I have I have built um through the quality of my work and and my my want to engage and really connect with people this other you know this really important beautiful stuff and that's you know because I think it's been particularly when I was drinking a lot it was um it was easy for me. I was just, I was just very blamey. I just sort of like, oh, is it fucking everyone else's fault? Everyone fuck off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt indignant. And I, you know, to be honest, the the sort of like the dull kind of ache of of having having a financially very precarious life for so long, um, is it takes it out of you, you know. And I think I think living living a life where you where you constantly where maybe your the amount of work that you do and the the sort of the like the yards and the hours that you put in and your level of ability in your field isn't necessarily mm. being reflected in your life particularly not in your in your financial life which isn't everything but it certainly makes life a lot fucking easier if you don't have to worry about money constantly absolutely you know? yeah so that's and that really took in fact a couple of the songs on the record are about kind of that classic end of your 30s where you for women particularly I think this is I've got so many girlfriends who are going through this at at between say 37 and 40 mm-hmm. suddenly everything really comes to a head and and it just it requires a lot of like taking stock and of going what's important to me what isn't working what do I want you know all that sort of stuff uh, it's really profound and often very heavy and um yeah. that definitely happened for me and to the point where I was like I just can't do this anymore I can't I can't deal with this kind of level of um, what I consider to be in some senses like rejection or, or mm-hmm. um, it's like it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. And and I, I like had this deep bel- belief, I think. I mean, I've always – music's always been part of my life and always will be whether I do it professionally yeah. or not. But I don't know. It's, it's – now I'm so, just now I'm kind of rambling but I guess – no, I I can totally relate to this. I, I right, cuz right. I'm I've been having lots of conversations recently about you know not not giving up on music because mm. I am like you, like I need it in my life and it's important whether I release things or not. It's definitely always going to be something that I do. Yeah. Um and 
but there's something really strange about having music as part of your identity. Like mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about like who even am I if I'm not this, if I don't do this or if yeah. I don't, you know, if I don't perform or if I don't play or if I don't release things, um, who am I as a person? It's been it's been my life for so many years and I think yeah. it's a weird thing I, and I think you're right. I think it does happen in your, you know, your late 30s where you, you sort of have to step back and go, well, a normal person at this point would be having <laughs> having kids, settling down, you know, thinking about career, thinking about super, all of that stuff. And yeah. what the fuck are we doing? Like yeah. it's just so weird. And it, and then it sort of connects to your ego as well where you think, well, is it all about ego? Yeah. Is, is it ego? Is it identity? Are they intertwined? It's so – it's totally. really heavy. It is. It's really deep. And it – and it. Um, I think one of the great <laughs> – let's be honest, one of the only gifts of the pandemic for the <laughs> creative community was that I think a lot of people, particularly people that are, that are on the road a lot, um, of which I'm one, yeah. suddenly found themselves in one place for an extended period with no prospect of, of touring again and suddenly had to really – really think about just go hang on shit I haven't had time to think about whether I like what I'm doing do I like what I'm doing how do I want to do this you know and I've spoken to lots of people like you know musicians and kind of crew crew people alike who who were like oh actually I I even though it's terrifying I kind of got quite a lot out of having that enforced um circuit breaker you know yeah, so what was your t- what was your takeaway from being stationary? Like some practical things like for example I sort of learnt finally bought re- some recording gear and learnt how to do that which I've been wanting to do for ages and just never had the time and the the space. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, and I also I I realized how tiring um travel is and I was doing an enormous amount of like I was like going between Canada and Australia and I was like I was touring when I was in Canada and I was like very rarely anywhere and when I was in Australia it was to play shows too and so mm-hmm. I was just like it was very rare to be anywhere for more than a, a full week and mm. which when you're doing that perpetually is fine because you just kind of get used to it but it's it's taxing it kind of takes it out of you you, you know of and course. I but I really I mean I I, I got quite a lot out I was incredibly lucky with my situation the fact that I could live with my brother and his family my brother and his partner both kept their jobs um so great you know they sort of before we knew what was happening with JobKeeper and all that sort of stuff they were just essentially um were prepared to support me through it which is just extraordinary like I mean who gets who it's amazing and were you eligible for JobKeeper I was yeah thank god thank god that's so that, I mean, that took an enormous amount of pressure off as well. Like in a way it was like, oh, this is yeah. great. Like having like a <laughs> like a solid <laughs> wage. Thanks. Scott. Yeah. It's amazing. I started working with my management like weeks before the pandemic hit. So, you know, suddenly we found ourselves like not being able to tour, not being able to do anything. And like, yeah. you know, we, I sort of spent the year getting to know them Um and us kind of working out this v- very strange problem together, which was really great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I read, I just read so much. I haven't, you know, I, I sort of can get quite scattered when I'm moving a lot and I don't, I just didn't have the brain space or the time to mm. read and I just I just was devouring books. And um, so there, there was a lot of 
there were a lot of advantages. And I think just to go back to the whole like career thing, mm. I think what I finally realised and this year helped to or last year helped to crystallise it was that in order for me to I just had to really work out what it was that I that I wanted. It was like, what is it that 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 makes you, <laughs> that sparks joy in music? Yeah, what sparks joy? Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I, this immovable um, object was kind of yeah, immovable fortress of, um, you know, the industry and the the issues of um, some of the let's say some of the sexism that I encountered particularly early on, you know, mm. that sort of stuff. Is is there and it's um it's it's difficult and and it's not it, music isn't a kind of a a, um, a mathematical equation or like a music career you don't just go talent plus hard work equals money or equals yeah this or that you really and so rather than trying to fight that for myself and go well that's fucked and I should be you know why why do I have to work? it's like no no this is what's happening. You just need to change the way that you engage with it, um, That's and right. and decide what it is that you want because you you need to have faith in your own ability, um, because trying to base ha- your value on what other people think about you is a losing game anyway. So in in that sense, I I feel and I I'm not just saying this because I have never had any success. But <laughs> I do think that in some senses, as a as a human being, I've been lucky that that my music career didn't sort of take off into any direction where I was I was kind of filled up with, um, you know, people telling me that I was amazing all the time. Because I I think it for me personally, for my psyche, it would have been devastating and quite hard to come by. So now, uh, hard to deal with. Sorry, but now I feel like. Any success or whatever it is, any sort of incremental gain that I can get, and I get this gain from this the stuff that I find really um, val- actually valuable is the connections that I make and my you know my friends and yeah. the people that I play with and my peers and people that I respect in music. I have the most incredible, incredibly rich, interesting, varied life, and that's the important stuff, you know. Yeah, I agree. I think it. And and this is, you know, what I've been thinking about a lot in the last little while as well is it all comes down to what what you're getting out of it and what mm. uh, the reason why you play music. And for me, obviously, it's cathartic. It's um, it's fun. I f- sometimes I forget that it's fun, which is just ridiculous. Totally. And um, <laughs> and then you know it's it's the connections, and I feel really strongly about that. I, there's the community that we have in Australia, and then you know in in the different areas of Australia that we get to travel to. Yeah. Um, it just really makes it all worthwhile because who that's that's the thing. Like, who even would you be if it wasn't for those communities, and if totally. it wasn't for the support that you get, and for the friendships, and even like. You know, you and I, we've only just really like come across each other's paths. And I was saying to you on the phone the other day, it's so funny because I feel like we immediately have this connection of like, I feel like I've known you forever because we have been on a similar journey our whole lives. And that's just so lovely. Yeah. And I feel, I also feel like there's, for the people that have, that have, you know, that that have been doing it for a long time are sort of lifers for one of a 
a different term. Um, mm. There is a there is a real shared understanding of of what that's like. Maybe maybe you and I, for example, didn't cross each other's paths because it just we weren't sort of. Oh no, I'm going to sound like such a such a hippie, <laughs> but. <laughs> We, we just weren't – we wouldn't have noticed each other because we weren't looking for those sort of things. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. You, you kind of – But now I see a beautiful shining beacon called <laughs> yeah. Liz Stringer. <laughs> just sitting on the end of the couch like a teddy bear <laughs> while people it's are trying to write songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly morose beacon but beautiful just the same. <laughs> No, it's really funny. I find that fascinating too how in a in an industry that's really s- quite small in some ways and in, in the different arms and kind of circles of it. But then, you know, y- you you meet someone like, you know, me meeting you and just go, "How do, how have we not how's that just not happened? Why is it that's, I know. that now I'm delving into philosophy, but um I love it. Yeah, it's really uh, – it is really interesting and in that, you know, that that sort of stuff continues to be music as a pursuit or the arts and particularly kind of a collaborative um, medium like music. It, it just mm. – you just continue to meet – that was one of the great things about the Oils tour is like I, I came away from that with with like a bunch of new friends um, yeah. And we'd all sort of been rotating around in, in circles parallel to each other, a lot of us, but hadn't actually really connected. And then you just have that wonderful experience where you have this, you've never met people and then you spend a month of intense time together. Um, yeah. and you see each other first thing in the morning and last thing before you go to bed. And it's just like, you just have this, this beautiful shared experience that bonds you forever. Like we will all that's be, right. we'll all have yeah. that between us now forever. I just that's think that's right. so, what a gift. Like it's so beautiful. It is. And I, I've thought about this a lot like l- lately too because, you know, I've been on a million tours over the mm. years and and there's people in my life still now that I met on tour when I was 19 or yes. 18, you know, that you spent yeah, totally. six weeks with in in the US or in Canada or wherever and um and then you see each other like 20 years later and nothing has changed Nothing's between changed. you even though everything has changed around you it's incredible and it's it's amazing and it's those are the reasons why you want to keep doing it right those that's like one 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 major reason why i love playing music absolutely and and also i think like the kind of fixation on the the fixation that I probably had for a while about how many people were coming to shows and all that sort of stuff mm. and then and then you know you'd you'd have these I have conversations with people um every every time after gigs who who sincerely tell me that my that my that that show or that my records or whatever have have done have you know changed their mood or they got yes. married to it or god knows what like I know, and you go this is a beautiful. this is it is really beautiful and it's and it's like that's what every single person in this room whether there's like you know 32,000 of them or 30 yeah. <laughs> oh they're god. all just <laughs> individual <laughs> yeah, totally they're just all um they're all single individual souls, you know, yeah. as important and as profound and, you know, just because there's more than one of them doesn't make it any less or more than yeah. – I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, yeah. you know, 
I think that sort of like I have felt, I think, some shame sometimes because I feel like, oh, you know, it's my sixth record and and I, I just am not, I'm sort of not where I should be. And you inevitably get lots of people who are really well-meaning and, and mean what they say, who are like, oh, you're just so underrated and all that sort of stuff. And it, and it's like, no, yeah. this is, I, I'm, this is it. This is it. Us together in a room communing is, this is, this is success. Like, this is beautiful. You yeah. Know? And I can't believe I that agree. I'm the one that's saying that to them now. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's the power in, in the change of my, in, of, of perspective, isn't it? Where you just go, yeah, I'm looking at an, I'm looking at this orange now from the other side of the room and it looks totally different. And absolutely, um, that's really, that's was the change that kind of made me want to, to keep playing music and I think if I ha- I was so close to kind of going like I wasn't even going to release this record for a good year I was like nah mm. I'm not nah 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 fuck it it's just too and it did feel too painful at the time because I was really going through some heavy stuff and yeah that the feelings that I'm experiencing now I'm able to temper and kind of metabolize but if I tried to you know go through the kind of um the 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 emotional um, washing machine of releasing an album then, like a couple of years ago, I just mm. wouldn't have survived it, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, the time is right now. But totally. so you said before that it was sort of a beginning of what was to come, mm. um, and you, you had developed in a, in a bunch of different ways. Can you quickly touch on what you were talking about? Was it like different ways of playing or different feelings you were trying to portray, or what's what's changed between like all the bridges and mm. and this record i think um it was a combination of um just some of the songs that i wrote and working with chris who's the producer um of mm. this new record his name's chris stringer which is just a wild coincidence Weird. but yeah um he's a toronto guy um and I, when I first heard the mixes, I just was like, I mean, I, you know, I'd heard sort of, I, I was there the whole time. So I, I, it's not mm. like I was like, oh, this is what the tracks sound like. But the first time he sent me a bounce, I was walking around near my apartment in Toronto and I was listening to it and it was. Did I you just have a meltdown? That's what in a normally good way. happens to me. <laughs> I had a good meltdown. Oh, good. It normally the first mix is always like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> no, totally. And I'd sort of had those. I'd had those experiences many times, but this one was like, this sounds like what I imagine it would sound like or what I want it to sound that's like. Amazing. I felt like he was able to reach into my mind. He got and, it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's definitely a combination of his his sort of dexterity as a producer and and our connection as people. Mm. But and probably also a little bit of me being able to articulate better and even really understand more internally what it was that I was trying to do, you know? Mm. So Great. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Um, are you feeling – how are you feeling about the album now that we've just dissected all <laughs> of our feelings about it? <laughs> Even worse, actually. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be lovely. I'm excited. I think it's just a really good practice for me to – continue to not fixate on any kind of fantastical outcome that I might 
conjure mm. up in my own mind. You know, it really is the act of writing the music and recording it yeah. and then and kind of sharing it with people is what what the process that's is what and it's that's all about. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a it's not about, you know, how how people I mean, I want people to connect with it, but but you know, they already are and that's that's beautiful. I I don't I just think it's um it's funny, isn't it? Like how how much of our behavior is even our reaction uh, our our emotional reaction is habit and you just go hang on i don't i know i'm kind of used to feeling these steps of the stages of album release but if i actually just let it go and try and enjoy it you know look at the orange from this side of the room then then yeah. what a what a beautiful thing that's happening you know i'm just very anxious like traditionally and this is what I've had to work on really hard in the last few years is to just like slowly change the pathways and I just thought that I was yeah. a naturally negative person but actually I think I don't think that's true I just think I had built I'd built ways to deal with shit and that's what I did for mm. many years but now I just am like no no I I can things can be lighter and more full of joy and you know like that's yeah. that's good well, Liz, I'm going to ask you my very last question, which is the question that I ask everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. What is your strangest show experience or the strangest thing that's happened to you because you play music? Well, I did think about this and, um, I mean, there's been a few. Um, I thought it was the most embarrassing. Yeah, you can do you, any anything that fits okay. under the umbrella of a, a memorable show or memorable experience. All right. Well, there's well, there's two. The first one's like really quick, really embarrassing that happened that happened okay, great. on the oils <laughs> tour, which oh. is that Leah and I. Um, so we meant to like walk out. You know, we were sort of on and off stage, on for probably seventy percent. But there were moments where we had to walk off and come back on, and we did that classic like they finished a song. And like the lights are down and we're like, cool. And like walk out <laughs> to go back to our <laughs> riser and then reprise. And then the fucking lights come up. <laughs> we're like halfway to the riser. <laughs> like cockroaches caught on the kitchen fucking floor when you turn the light on. And just had to turn around and like slowly just, what can you do? You just have to go, yeah, fucked it up. Cartwheel just, off. You oh, got to cartwheel off. <laughs> we should have cartwheeled. But okay, so the. So, but this is also a quick story and I don't even know if this is going to translate because it was so weird. I've never told anyone this. Ooh. I was, um, and th this like happened just to me, um, but it was just the most embarrassing. I just am so mortified. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was on tour. I think it might've been with Jen and Mia actually like the first time we toured. So we did something like 40 dates around Australia and it was quite late into the tour. We're doing a lot of press and just really tired. Like I was just really, mm. <laughs> really tired. <laughs> and uh, we're in Port Macquarie and I had to do this, this interview. Um, and I went out um, overlooking the car park to do it. And um, I just, this really weird thing happened where there was, I was started having this conversation with the person who was doing the interview, but it was kind of weird. Mm. Like we just sort of kept interrupting each other and it just wasn't working. But then I realised uh, a good two or three minutes into this conversation that I was talking, that it was just a delay. It was it was an answering machine and I was talking <laughs> and it was a delay, my voice on delay coming back at me that I thought was somebody else's voice. 
And I just had this like two or three minute conversation kind of going like, oh, no, you no, you go. <laughs> and like, oh, I can't believe we just laughed at the same time. That's And I think it might have ended up on somebody's answering machine. I don't know. And then I just like realised what it was and was absolutely That's so mortified. Isn't that nuts though? That's just that like is so so great. I love that so much. Just that it was a whole <laughs> few minutes of you talking to yourself on delay. And then I kind of <laughs> I hung up from myself and just like stood there, sort of on my own, kind of looked around furtively in case anyone had seen it, and just was like, "Oh shit!" I. I actually just think I'm going a bit crazy. Like maybe that's what maybe that's what that is. Like anyway, that was And you didn't go back to to Jen and Mia and go, guess what just happened? I never told anyone. I was just so I was just really it's like that's such a such a weird thing to do. I really hope it was on someone's answering machine. Can you imagine what really... the fuck would that have sounded like? Because I wouldn't have heard the echo. They just would have heard me going like, ha, ha, ha. Ah, no, you t- ah, ha, ha. It was so strange. They're just like, fuck that. I'm, never, I'm not calling that I, person back. I fucking love that story. <laughs> That's so great. Thank you so, so much for talking to me on my podcast. I felt like we went quite deep and I thank you for that. And thank you for being so open and vulnerable. And I'm really, really excited <laughs> to to hear your record. I think it's going to be really great. What Thank dates you. are coming out? 30th of April. So in a 30th month. 30th of April from now. on Milk Milk Records. Milk Records, yep. And I guess it's too early to ask if you're doing any shows around. Well, are you doing it, shows? We are doing shows. We're doing 5 in June. So we're doing um Anglesey and Melbourne in Victoria and then Adelaide, Sydney and Darwin. So um, we're just kind of – it's one of those kind of let's just test the COVID waters tour, but then um, later in the year we're going to do a much more extensive one. But this is just like a five five gigs in June. Great. But thank you so much, Liz. Such a pleasure talking to you and I can't wait to be friends forever. Thank you. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) 